Hi Jonathan, um, brilliant to have you on our show. Um, this is the second episode of Talking Their Language. Um, to start with, we'd just like to ask you, what was your journey into teaching? So I, I initially became a teacher because I wanted to go and live and work in Thailand actually. So um, about 20 years ago, I uh, boarded a plane, I flew to Bangkok, I did a two-week teaching course in Bangkok, Thailand, and that qualified me, so they say, to go and teach in um, Thai government schools. Um, so I did that for about 18 months, and I really enjoyed teaching, and I decided it was sort of the future career for me. So after those 18 months, I came back to the UK and I did a degree in teaching English as a foreign language and education studies, which really helped to equip me with the tools uh, to become a teacher. And, um, you know, at that time, I thought I was going to enter the field of English language teaching. Okay. But, but when I returned to Thailand in 2007, I ended up getting a job as a EAL and SEND coordinator at a small international school in Bangkok, Thailand, right. which I really enjoyed. But unfortunately, that position only lasted a year. Uh, and after that, I got a, a job as an English language lecturer at a Thai university. I worked there for three years. And um, then, like, because I, I, I really enjoyed the role as an EAL coordinator, there, a, a, um, a position came up for, as an EAL specialist at Shrewsbury International School in Bangkok, Thailand. So I applied for the job, I got it, and, yeah, I, I worked there for six years, and that was a really good um, sort of grounding and, like, training for me as an EAL specialist because... I worked in a department of 10 EAL teachers with a director of EAL. Um, we were very lucky that we had various training sessions and we actually had Professor Pauline Gibbons come to the school three years in a row to work with the both mainstream teachers and the EAL department. So it was amazing yeah, to sit face to face with Pauline because at my at university undergraduate level, I'd, I'd read a lot of, of her books and sort of studied her and quoted her in essays. And to sit face to face with her was a, an amazing experience. So I feel very privileged to have spent so much time um, with Pauline because I think she's a real expert and leader in the field of EAL. And so I... After when I I decided to come back to the UK for sort of family and professional reasons again. So I came back to the UK 2017 and that's where I got my job that I'm in now as an EAL coordinator at the large secondary school in the East Midlands here in Leicester. Fantastic. We're not jealous at all that you've been to Thailand for so long. <laughs> Especially with this winter weather coming in England. I know. Um, one of the questions we'd like to ask you, and I think some of the teachers will be interested in hearing um, your point of view, what resources do you think are useful in the classroom for EAL learners to be able to work independently? So I think teachers, first of all, need to consider the proficiency in English of the EAL learners they're working with. Um, that's really essential for understanding sort of what resources we create for our EAL learners, because there's been a... Um, sort of a lot of research from um, Strand and Hessel uh, from Oxford University and the Bell Foundation that 
talks about, you know, proficiency in English is key to understanding how successful EAL learners will be rather than the term EAL itself. So, you know, once you have an idea of the proficiency in English of your EAL learners, then um, you have to think about making sure that the resources are are contextualised and they're, you know, they're based on what's happening with all the other learners in the classroom. I I sort of strongly recommend to teachers I work work with and support, you know, not to have decontextualised resources that are not related to what others are doing because it's really important they're given the opportunities to develop alongside their peers so an example would be if you know if their learners are in a, a science lesson and they're studying plant and animal cells you know then the resources should be directly linked to that and not because uh, that's the context that within which they develop their subject knowledge and their language can develop yeah. I also so in terms of specific resources I always think it's good to break it down into the four skills of writing reading speaking and listening and there's numerous ways you can that we can create resources to help learners uh, work independently so in writing i'd say it's things like substitution tables gap fields writing frames uh, sentence starters are a really good way to do that and I'd always always say to teachers to remember the genre you're asking learners to write in because yeah. that's sort of another thing they need to develop their understanding of the different genres because they might not have been exposed to that in their prior educational experiences. In terms of reading, I'd say that chunking the text into manageable parts, so it might be that whilst others are working on a whole text, your EAL learners are, are working on, you know, sentences or or, or single paragraphs. Um, uh, another thing, um, strategy that's really good is direct activities related to text or darts activities, things such as matching pictures to words, okay. sequencing activities, completing charts or flow charts. So darts are a really effective way to get um, EAL learners to work independently in reading. And one other one I highly recommend is margin questions. And they're questions that are placed around around the text. But those margin questions point to where the answer is. So that takes away, um, you know, the need for the learner to locate the information they can focus on you know un- understanding the question and then understanding how to answer the question in turn i think it's important that we also allow our le- learners to develop their speaking and listening skills so in terms of speaking it might be that we provide speaking frames uh talk partners whether, whether those are same language talk partners or you know they might have different uh, first languages and then of course allowing EL learners to use their first language is a really uh, crucial tool to that um, teachers can use uh, to allow students to work independently and lastly um, in terms of listening it might be that you have a list of keywords or phrases that you know if there's a, a part of the lesson where the teacher's talking 
then the learners listen out for those keywords or phrases and possibly, you know, they might have them on an A4 sheet of paper and they have to circle the ones they hear. And those those words or phrases might be sort of key vocabulary that are essential okay. to the, that lesson itself. And lastly, uh, in terms of independently, as things there's there's a big p- uh, movement of this idea of notion of translanguaging. Okay. So translanguaging is where we allow our learners to use all of their linguistic resources to access mainstream lessons, and that's a really effective tool to help learners work independently and there's various ways we can use translanguaging so it might be that they read something in their first language but then write or speak about it in English you know and that's just one example of translanguaging but there are numerous strategies that you can use for fantastic I know sometimes teachers are a bit afraid um of encouraging that first language I think it is so important isn't it in the classroom to realize that 100 percent their first language as well definitely um as an eal coordinator so you've got some fantastic experience there um both abroad and at home here um what difficulties have you faced and how have you come how have you overcome those difficulties so i think the key one is sort of linked to the first question it's ensuring that appropriate support and resources are provided for learners in the classroom um you know because like you say, sometimes teachers might be a bit uh, scared of, of allowing them to use their first language or, you know, not sure of how to differentiate appropriately. So what I do uh, with uh, teachers is any um, new arrivals that come, sorry, any new teachers that come to the school, There's a we have a, a, an intranet page at the school where teachers can find um, strategies and resources that they can uh, de- uh, use in the classroom. I also recommend uh, websites like yourselves and the Bell Foundation as well, you know, as places to go to find um, those resources. Yeah. I think teachers are often scared of allowing students to use their first language, you know, because it, I mean, I work in a school with over 50 languages spoken throughout the school. Wow. You know, it's impossible for any teacher to I've not met a teacher that can speak that many languages so there might be times when the we don't necessarily understand exactly what the learner's saying but you know allowing the use of first language um, can you know help uh, with those resources I'd also say uh, pastoral support has often sometimes has been a difficulty of new arrivals so we have, we have new arrivals they come throughout the year and you know making sure that appropriate supports there for them so we've at my school we've um, been using the young interpreters scheme from Hampshire oh, yes, I've used that and yeah and that's been really helpful in sort of that pastoral support element so our young interpreters when we have a new arrival they will come in they'll meet their buddy and they'll sort of look after them the first few days or even longer you know and they've become yeah they've become a really crucial part of the school in you know and in fact um with my myself and the team the young interpreters now help with things like homework clubs at lunchtime and um 
there's games clubs on a Friday. So they're sort of involved in um, other areas of the school as well. It's also difficulty faces ensuring that EAL remains a priority amongst school leaders because often, you know, the headlines are that EAL learners outperform their monolingual peers and therefore, you know, they're fine. We don't need to worry with them, about them. So I think for me, it's just always about raising the profile of EAL learners and, you know, they still benefit from the differentiation, the strategies and approaches, yeah, that are suitable for them. And then, you know, there's things like teachers' perceptions of what EAL is, you know. Uh, some teachers might consider EAL and SEND. Um, so, you know, that's a big area and that's about sort of working, collaborating with mainstream teachers. I'm very lucky in my school that I have a team of TAs that work with teachers and they can sort of show and highlight how EAL students might or might not have an SEND and how we need to sort of plan for that appropriately. TAs are brilliant. I think definitely and then there's the the differences between spoken and written language because of course uh, Jim Cummins research suggests that you know, the basic interpersonal social skills take between one and two years to develop, whereas cognitive academic language proficiency can take between five and seven years to develop. So, um, you know, a lot, some teachers might say, you know, the student can speak English, so they don't need the um, EAL support so as such. Yeah, but that's, again, that's just about highlighting to teachers the differences between spoken and written language so we get through that through training sessions and through our intranet page there are various resources we use um yeah yeah that's really interesting um so you've got a website and a blog um PAL in the daylight um having a look at that this week how did that come about and can you tell us about that project where it started so um it started with a conversation, my the EAL department I work for in Thailand had with the head teacher at the time, uh, where we were discussing discussing various things and the differences between our um, contracts and mainstream teachers' contracts. And the head teacher said, "Well, there has to be some daylight between yourselves and the mainstream." Basically, saying, you know, we weren't. Um, the same as them so when I moved back to the UK I decided as part partly as a personal hobby really to create this website and that's why partly why I gave it the title EAL in the daylight but as I've you know developed it I think it's really helped me to try to promote EAL and keep EAL students in the daylight um, yeah so it's an ongoing project of mine unfortunately i don't um you uh um use create stuff as much as i used to and that's partly because i'm in the third year of a master's degree so a lot of my times at the moment's taken up with um studying for that but i you know a lot of the posts the blog posts i've written are in response to challenges i faced in the classroom and challenges that mainstream teachers I've worked with have faced 
There's um, a list of classroom strategies that I think are essential for EAL learners. I've also put on it um, in there some book reviews. So in, we mentioned Pauline Gibbons earlier. I think if any teacher's interested in supporting EAL learners, Pauline's books are amazing. Um, there's websites and there's a few resources, but these are resources that I've personally created over time. And I hope that those the resources on my page just give teachers an idea of the kind of resources they can use for EAL learners in their classroom. Yeah, I thought it was brilliant. It's fantastic. Thank you. Um, what would you say were the most important strategies for teaching EAL learners, for teachers listening today that have EAL learners in their classroom, maybe for the first time? So when I was looking at this question, I was sort of breaking it down. So I think, first of all, there has to be an understanding that language acquisition is a process and it takes time. I, I mentioned earlier the research of Cummins, you know, and you're not going to see results overnight. No, um, but if, you know, if, if we use appropriate strategies and resources, then our EL learners can develop and they can succeed, you know. So it's important to understand that. But, you know, EL learners need strategies to develop both subject and language. And that's the sort of the, the uh, dual um, sword, so to yeah. yeah, the dual thing that they face. So the key question is what language do the learners need to access that lesson or that activity? Because um, that's really essential for me. I think visuals are really important but also making sure those visuals are culturally appropriate. You know, for for example, we talked about Thailand. I wouldn't necessarily consider showing visuals of Thailand to some of the students I teach because they've never, you know, they've never been to Thailand. So we need, but also on the other hand, some of our EL learners have never been to the UK to, to, before. So we need to make sure those visuals sort of, reflect the backgrounds of our EL learners. Um, we also say it's really important to make explicit links to any prior learning they've had. Um, they may have learned, you know, um, stuff in their previous schools that's um, in some way linked to what's going on in the classroom at the time. And if we can make those explicit links, then that's uh, really helpful. And if they don't have those uh, that prior knowledge then it's really important that we build background on a topic so you know that might be um homework tasks you know prior to a lesson uh things like There's that uh, yeah, yeah definitely i mean that's another yeah that's was my next point really pre-teaching key vocabulary is really important and that pre-teaching is sort of a part of building background is it so that could be relate to a lesson or a topic that's coming up soon. I think all students benefit from that, don't they? You know, I think that helps Definitely. every single student in the classroom and you don't just need to think yeah. about your EAL learners there. Yeah, exactly. I mean, a lot, a lot of these strategies are appropriate to all learners, not just EAL learners, but they really do sort of support EAL learners. Yeah. One, I mean, working in a secondary school, often, you know, when we're using PowerPoint, slides can be... Um, you know, full of text and things like that. So I think it's important that slides are not overloaded with information and that there's, you know, just the appropriate amount of information that learners can focus on. 
uh, pairing EAL learners with beginner EAL learners with more proficient speakers of the um, and where possible if they speak the same language. But I would recommend that teachers don't sit two beginners together because you know they need that opportunity to develop their language. So I'm lucky at my school we have quite a large. Um, Gujarati community so if I've got a, a new student to the school who's a Gujarati speaker I'd say to teachers you know pair them with another Gujarati speaker but make sure that the other student the other learner is proficient in the lang, more proficient in English because they can really help with explaining content but also sort of developing that language as well yeah, that's brilliant yeah, and then writing. I think as model texts are good for all learners, but really good for EL learners because you know the model texts explicitly um, model the genre you want the learners to write in. Um, you know they highlight the key language features, the connectives that are directly linked to what um, they are being asked to write. And my favourite strategy for um, is. The dictogloss. Uh, so okay, the dic- yeah, so the dictogloss is a really great way to highlight key language features, and it's one that's um, it's on my website, but it's also in Pauline Gibbons' books. And dictogloss basically, the teacher reads out a text, and the learners listen, and then the teacher reads it again. The learners listen; they take notes, and the end result is that after you've read it um, a few times that learners work in groups and they recreate the text and then yeah and that's really good because um, they would have their their text the dictogloss text and then you give them the original text and they can compare how they're similar and different and to me that really highlights you know well we we didn't include these connectives and we need to include those we didn't include this subject specific vocabulary so I really highly recommend dictogloss because I as again I don't think it's it's not just for EL learners I think it's a really good strategy for all learners all the skills as well doesn't it that's brilliant exactly yeah I mean it really does help reading writing listening and speaking it's a really fantastic activity and well worth trying for any teacher out there. And again, as we've mentioned before, using translanguaging approaches, don't be afraid of allowing EL learners to use their first language. Thank you. Um, and finally, um, on our Facebook group, we are getting quite a few teachers um, finding that EAL learners are starting midway through a term. I mean, we know that they don't always start at the very beginning of September. Um, so what is the process in your school um, for EAL learners that start midway through a term? And what processes and strategies do you recommend um, for schools to have in place? Yeah, so, I mean, this one, again, it depends on their proficiency in English, uh, um, but also the year group they're going into. So for me personally, I any EAL learner that comes is in been in the country for two years or under, myself and my team do the admission for that student that learner sorry and we gather as much information as possible about them to you know create a learner profile that's then shared with the learners teachers so we gather information such as their prior educational experiences 
languages they speak, but also the languages they're literate in, because we do have a num some learners that join us that aren't literate in their first language. Um, then we ask them questions like, you know, what knowledge or experience they have in the subjects they will study at our school. And we ask them sort of, you know, what their hobbies are and things like that. I think getting gathering as much information midway through the year is really important because it helps then, you know, share that with the whole school. But it helps me get an idea of that learner. Yeah. So if the if the students are proficient in English, you, I'm talking here about the the DFE proficiency codes in English that go from A to E. Yeah. So if they're, you know, you're looking at codes D and E, then they might not necessarily need the support of the EAL department. But um, if they are on codes A, B or C, then they might need um, direct support from my department. So that's where I'm very lucky, as I said before, that I've got a team of TAs that go into lessons and support learners in lessons. So if that's possible, I'd highly recommend that. There's also, I've talked about the young interpreters. They are an invaluable resource for midway arrivals because they really help those midway arrivals settle into the that school. That pastoral support, isn't um, it, as well, that's so important? Yeah, definitely. Um, all, it, all the information I gather is shared with the teachers so that everyone has an idea. Again, using first language, making sure that, teachers know that what the learner's first language is and whether they're literate in it and how they can use that first language um, so if learners are at the beginning stages of learning English so if they're you know on codes a or b new to English or early acquisition then they might well benefit from some specific interventions that we as a department do run you know to support their acquisition of English so we do have um, um, interventions that run in year seven, eight, um, and um, sorry, not year eight, sorry, seven, nine, and also 10 and 11. <laughs> and we start with social English. So we've developed a, a new arrivals program specifically for mainly for year seven and eight students. So we start with, you know, the, the language that helps them negotiate school. So where are the various uh, classrooms? Because it's quite a big school. Who's the head of year? Who's their main? Who's their teachers? Who's the head teacher? Um, exactly. Yeah. How do I ask to go to the toilet and things like that? You know, developing those survival skills is vital to help support them. And then we might then we move on to more specific subject related. Um, lessons you know focusing mostly on the core subjects like english maths and science but when i when we when i designed this program i met with the heads of department of english maths and science and asked them what are the key core skills that learners need so from that i was able to develop a sort of scheme that supported those students so we also have um, an option for key stage four learners at the early stages of learning English and I try to base the majority of that on what's going on in the mainstream because it you know in years 10 and 11 they're having to pick up their GCSEs and it's about trying to support them in um, 
developing their knowledge and developing their language in those option subjects. But again, it focuses mostly on English, maths and science. And then also midway through the term with key stage four students, we have to make sure that we choose appropriate options for them. Yeah, that can be um, Yeah, definitely. So, and we're very lucky at the school I work at, we have some great teachers that are really supportive of midway uh, midway arrivals and that's really sort of helps those students settle in. So those are sort of some of the strategies that we have in place for midway arrivals. I know we've started, um, we've got an inter, inter, sorry, an international new arrivals category now um, on the Twinkle website. I think that's been really important. Great. It's been probably one of the most popular, you know, areas now for the um, Definitely, yeah. Yeah, because unfortunately the curriculum doesn't sort of accommodate new arrivals, does That's it? it no. um, as, and I know for our AL teachers, um, the All About Me resources throughout the whole year, you know, are up there with the top downloads because, because right. of that. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. Uh, thank you. Have you got any other feedback or any other um, advice for teachers that are listening? Um. I mean, like I say, I just think it's really important to develop subject knowledge, but it's also really important to develop language as well. And that's often something that's overlooked or there's not there's not time to do it. So it's actually what I'm doing. I'm in the third year of my master's. I'm in my dissertation year. And it's kind of what I'm basing my uh, classroom based research on is looking at how I could bet we could better integrate language and content and see if the results of what I the, the planning tool I use whether that's an effective way to plan for language and content. I mean that's really the the most crucial thing for me because it's it is really important they develop their subject knowledge but it's also vital that they develop their language as yeah, well. Yeah, and that's for life, isn't it? You know, it's those life skills, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, definitely. Oh, thank you so much, Jonathan. It's been amazing to speak to you. Really, really interesting. Um, no worries. I think we'll learn a lot from this episode. That's been fantastic. Thank you very much. I hope so. Thank you. No worries. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. This podcast was brought to you by Helen Burdell from Twinkle EAL. We have over 650,000 resources and you can find all of our EAL resources at www.twinkle.co.uk. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter and Pinterest by searching for Twinkle EAL.